Well, hello, everyone. This is Ralph Brindis. I'm a clinical professor of medicine at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, and on the affiliate faculty of UCSF's Philip R. Lee Institute for Health Policy Studies. I'm here today to talk with Dr. Lawrence Sperling. Larry is the Katz Professor in Preventive Cardiology and the Professor of Global Health at Emory University. He also is the chair of the World Heart Federation Roadmap on Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Among People Living with Diabetes. And he has an important role with the ACC as the co-chair of ACC's Diabetes and Cardiometabolic Working Group. Larry is going to discuss with us the management of patients with cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Welcome, Larry. Thank you very much, and I'm really glad to join you today on this interview. Uh, this is a really important topic for our cardiologists to be aware of. So, Larry, why don't you give us a, a background about the management and the challenges of patients with diabetes and cardiovascular disease, particularly in the new era where we actually have 12 classes of antihyperglycemic medications. How should the cardiologists approach such patients? Yeah, I think the cardiologists are well aware of the intersection between diabetes and cardiovascular disease. In many ways, we have come to recognize that diabetes is a disease state that goes way beyond the blood sugar, and it is very much a disease of the blood vessels, uh, both the microvasculature, but importantly, it is a disease of the macrovasculature. And, and patients with diabetes, their predominant morbidity and mortality comes through cardiovascular events. And so when we think about this highest risk population, we really want to focus on comprehensive cardiovascular risk reduction. You mentioned there are now 12 anti-hyperglycemic agents. And so we need to extend what we've become very comfortable with in terms of the paradigm of risk reduction to several of the classes of these agents that now have proven cardiovascular benefits. So when we see patients with diabetes, first of all, what is our general approach in management to them as we try to manage their risk factors in this setting? Yeah, the general approach is one that we call the ABCs of cardiovascular prevention. And when we look at the diabetic, the A stands for assessing risk. They are a high-risk population, and certainly those with established ASCVD and diabetes are among the highest-risk patients we care for. We want to think about antiplatelet therapy, blood pressure control, cholesterol management, cigarette cessation, and then coming to the diet and the weight healthy dietary patterns, focusing on either modest weight reduction or at least not gaining weight, and then exercise and education. So that's extending the ABCs to the diabetic population. Why we're here today, though, is that for the first time, we have classes of agents that initially were explored as agents to affect the blood glucose that unexpectedly were found to be agents that have cardiovascular benefit. And the data now is rapidly evolving. Two classes of agents that the cardiologists should be very 
familiar with and extend that familiarity to implementation and care of their patients. And so the two classes we're going to focus on are the SGLT2 inhibitors and the GLP-1 receptor agonists. We know the cardiologists are becoming more and more aware of the data because cardiologists tend to focus on evidence base, but the presentation I had hoped to give at ACC 2020 this year was focusing on two questions, what to choose and then how to start. And I think the cardiologists and the cardiovascular clinicians need to start feeling comfortable with those questions beyond just the knowledge. Well, why don't you tell us about these agents and what would you choose and when should we start? Yeah, these are two classes of agents that mechanistically, the SGLT2 inhibitors, SGLT2 is a co-transporter in the proximal tubule of the kidney, and it's responsible for 90% of urinary glucose reabsorption. And so by inhibiting it, you cause glycosuria, you cause dumping of sodium because it's a co-transporter. And we think the, the potential mechanisms, although nobody knows for sure, involve this primary benefit, but also reduction in blood pressure, reduction in weight, and potentially other atherosclerotic benefits. We, we do see in the randomized controlled clinical trials, the first of these was the EMPA-REG study with empagliflozin. We saw a, an early separation of the curves, and the primary benefit was a composite in cardiovascular risk reduction, including mortality, a reduction in heart failure events and heart failure hospitalizations. The, the GLP-1 receptor agonists, these are agonists uh, that are glucagon-like peptide receptor agonists, and they stimulate insulin release and, and glucagon release. Nobody knows the exact mechanisms of benefit in this class as well, and there are all kinds of speculations about anti-atherosclerotic benefits and reduction in oxidative stress. These agents appear to have their benefits not immediately, but during the time course of months to years. Well, they're really fascinating new classes of drugs with interesting mechanisms. And as you point out, they've shown benefit in patients with heart failure and atherosclerotic disease and maybe even renal protection. So my understanding, Larry, is that endocrinologists and maybe even primary care docs are better at prescribing these medicines to date rather than cardiologists. Why should cardiologists get involved when they manage patients putting in a stent and patients with type 2 diabetes? And, and how would you suggest that they incorporate the medication into their armamentarium and in the diabetes care team? Yeah, we have data that shows that, and this comes from Boston, that shows that although cardiologists are thinking about these agents, they're ultimately not prescribing them, even though the data now is getting stronger and stronger through additional clinical trials. And so I do think the cardiovascular specialists need to feel comfortable with choosing, and, and the question is how to choose. The ACC published the 2018 Expert Consensus Decision Pathway on Novel Therapies for Cardiovascular Risk Reduction in Type 2 Diabetes and ASCVD, 
And I would refer those listening to this podcast to this excellent document. We're in the process right now of updating it. Hope to have the update out in Jack by this summer. But in this document, we, we really take you through the patient with diabetes in established clinical ASCVD, first focusing on guideline-directed medical therapy, those ABCs as we talked about, but then consideration of an SGLT2 inhibitor or GLP-1 receptor agonist. Why to choose one versus the other? Choosing an SGLT2 inhibitor, the data shows a reduction in MACE and cardiovascular death, preventing heart failure, hospitalization, reducing blood pressure, and these are oral therapies. And so the other benefit we're seeing in this class that really now is, is more than just a signal is renal protection. And so this would be a class of agents to think in those who have underlying CKD and those who have risk for heart failure, which really is, is the entire diabetic population. So far, however, these agents appear to have the predominance of their benefit in those who have a heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. There are clinical trials ongoing, though, at this time, looking at heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. The GLP-1 receptor agonists, the benefit of these agents are substantial weight loss, so you get an extra bonus here. The cardiologists may need some coaching here because these are subcutaneously dosed drugs, and and this is where the, the heart team approach comes in. The cardiologists have become really comfortable with a heart team approach related to complex coronary intervention, structural heart disease, adult congenital heart disease, and so on. And so we need a heart team equivalent for the comprehensive care of the diabetic. The how to start, this is really important because we need to go beyond knowledge. And, and how to start is thinking about your own situation. How to start may be counseling patients about these new agents and their benefits. How to start may be consulting with your primary care clinicians or endocrinologists involved in their care. But how to start may be a team-based approach, either having a PharmD or an APP, who is your, your point person related to these novel diabetic agents. But I think we can't ignore the benefits are extremely strong, and the number needed to treat is along the lines of many of the medications we become very comfortable with, such as ACE inhibitors or statins. Well, Larry, this has been a great review, and I certainly appreciate that identifying patients at hospital discharge uh, with type 2 diabetes with the opportunities to minimize their cardiovascular risk long-term starting these medicines, maybe in a very low dose, may really be the impetus for further change. Do you recommend that type of strategy then? Yeah, I think that is a good good strategy. First of all, there, there's no evidence so far that there's a graded dose response regarding the cardiovascular renal benefits. And so the SGLT2 inhibitors should be initiated at their lowest doses. And I do think we need to start feeling comfortable starting at least the SGLT2 inhibitors at their lowest doses. Years and years ago, We've talked about this before, that the statins, when they first were FDA approved, they were considered the medications of the endocrinologist because they had metabolic effects. And then when we saw the randomized controlled clinical data, which now is incontroversial, 
These very much became drugs that the cardiologist uses as part of their usual toolbox to reduce cardiovascular risk. And so you mentioned opportunities on initiating these agents. At the time of discharge, that's a good capture moment in a patient with diabetes and known ASCBD. Certainly at the time of diagnosis of clinical ASCBD in a patient who's already has known type 2 diabetes and on a drug regimen that doesn't include one of these novel agents that have proven cardiovascular benefit. At the time of diagnosis, initial diagnosis of diabetes in a patient with clinical ASCBD, and you already mentioned potential discharge after admission for an indexed cardiovascular event. The cardiologists need to realize that, that a large number of their patients have known diabetes and ASCBD, but many of them have undiagnosed diabetes. And so making that diagnosis of diabetes when they're hospitalized, I think, is also key. And many of their patients are living with a pre-diabetic state metabolic syndrome. So they need to be aware of this intersection. And, and you know, there are pharmacotherapies today that really these are considered some of the most important stories, not only in cardiology and endocrinology and nephrology, but that these are some of the most important stories that are moving forward in the fields of medicine today. Well, Larry, you've given some sage advice and counsel to our colleagues, uh, and particularly referencing to our colleagues the 2018 ACC expert consensus document on diabetic uh, care and pathway management. Any other tools that ACC has that would be of value to our colleagues and their patients related to this subject? ACC has done a great job in creating tools and resources for the cardiovascular clinical community. As a companion to our expert consensus decision pathway, you can download a tool that will provide you with that how to choose or what to choose and, and how to start. So looking at the key considerations and the use of these classes of agents. And then ACC also has had some nice information for individuals living with diabetes through CardioSmart. So both on the clinician end and at the patient end, uh, they're really, really excellent resources and tools. Larry, any other closing comments or points for our cardiology consultant audience? Yeah, thank you for asking, Ralph, and, and it is really wonderful to join you on this interview today, even though we are on opposite sides of the country, you in San Francisco and myself in Atlanta. We are socially distant, but I tell you, we are, we are very close in so many ways, so I appreciate your partnership. So to close here, I mentioned earlier, diabetes is, is not just the disease of the blood sugar, but it is a cardiovascular disease. We must focus on comprehensive risk reduction. I mentioned the expert consensus decision pathway. This is a pathway that needs to be not just read, but implemented. And, and the cardiovascular specialists now need to be champions and change agents, strong advocates for their patients and for evidence-based medicine. This is something cardiologists do really well. And we're often on the front line of care Many cardiologists are on the front line of care right now related to COVID-19. We need to extend our comfort zone, and, and we really need to focus on doing the very best we can with those we serve, our patients, and in this case, patients living with diabetes and cardiovascular disease. 
Well, thank you very much. This is Ralph Brindis with Dr. Larry Sperling discussing patients with cardiovascular disease and diabetes, and I hope our audience will stay well. Thank you again, Ralph.